You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org. Well, good morning, everybody. That's really good. You did well. I, uh, it is really good to be here with you today. My name is Matt Nickerson. If you're watching at home online or visiting with us, welcome to Kingsway. We're really glad you're here. We are in the middle of our Christmas series. I have to do one last really quick announcement before we jump into things, and that is this. Last week, we took our elder vote, and uh, both men were approved with over 97%. Yes, so well done, congregation, for voting. And we welcome Dale and Patrick to the eldership this year. Yeah, that's really cool. And if you're visiting, you don't know what that means, don't worry about it. So here's my question as we jump into today. Do you have peace? Like in your heart, do you have peace? So for those of you who follow on Facebook or maybe connected to people who know people or know me or whatever, you know this has been a crazy week for us. So a few weeks ago, I was preaching, and I said, if you could, just pray for the Nickasad family. Don't be anxious or worried. Nothing's going on. Just major stuff. Just I'll fill you in as we go. My wife didn't want me sharing at that point, but roughly a week ago, her father passed away. He was diagnosed roughly five months, six months ago with, uh, with a leukemia and some other things, and he'd been in this battle, and he was starting to win the battle, but the things turned for worse, and the last month has been pretty brutal. And over the last four weeks, we just saw him fade slowly, um, and then quickly, and then he passed. And uh, it just kind of was happening at breakneck speed, and I was here in Kentucky, and here in Kentucky, and here in Kentucky. It was high stress, trying to gauge, when are we here? When do I skip work? When do I come to work? What do I do? How do I get the job done? How do I write a sermon in the midst of watching my kids while they handle all this stuff? If you've ever been there, you know this. There is something about this time of the year, from Thanksgiving all the way to New Year's. We hit three major holidays, back, kind of to back to back, and everything between is filled in with parties and gatherings and get-togethers. But if you've ever lost a loved one at this time of the year, you know how hard this is, right? Everybody's looking at the houses that are normally decked to the hilt with trees and garland and lights and going, I just, I just don't know if I have it in me this year. Anybody else feel that way? Like, if you aren't that way, no worries. I remember 10 years ago when I became the pastor at Kingsway, sitting in our first Christmas planning and then our second Christmas planning, I remember one of our staff members saying, you know, we talk all the time about the happiness at Christmas. Some of us are experiencing sorrow. And I thought, I know you just lost a loved one not too long ago, but the rest of us don't need to be all Debbie Downer because you did, so I get it. If you're not where we are, You may not be feeling the way some of us are feeling, but if this is your first Christmas or recent Christmas without a loved one, you know sometimes how hard it is. The irony of all that is in the middle of that, I decided to post on Facebook just on a whim. I'm literally sitting on the couch trying not to fall asleep because I'm responsible for the kids so the family could take care of the details of the funeral and everything else. And I just on a whim went, hey, does anybody have tickets to the the Big Ten Championship game they want to give away or something like that? And somebody actually texted me and said, I've got two tickets. I know you've had a rough week. Would you like them? You and your wife can go. I'm like, forget my wife. Amen. I'm taking my second little guy who loves football. I'm just kidding. I actually asked my wife. She was like, no, please don't make me go to a game right now. And so we literally drove up here yesterday with the intention of getting home and unloading all the car from the funeral and everything. And it was going to be great. And the car breaks down. It's a three-hour drive. We're an hour outside of, uh, of Bardstown, so we're in Indiana, and we break down in Memphis, Indiana. Never been to Memphis, Indiana. It's a lovely place to visit if you need gas. And <laughs> now I'm calling my wife and going, I don't know what to do. So she brings me another car. It is her mom and dad's huge van, like one of those you know, old-school traveling vans. 
And so we get to the game. It's already into the first quarter. We can't find a parking spot anywhere last night. We parked a mile away from the stadium. We tried a couple parking garages, but when you hear that little thing dragging on the top of the roof, you're thinking to yourself, I probably shouldn't go any further. You're trying to back up or drive around a stress. We ran a mile to the game. We get in. It's halfway through the second quarter. It is everything crazy in the world, and my team is getting crushed. Now, if the game had ended with my team losing, I still looked at my little guy and I said, you know what, though? I'm here with you. I'm here with you. He's like, Dad, do you think they're gonna pull it out? Do you think they're gonna win? I'm like, I don't know, buddy. I've been on a Ohio fan most of my life. We don't tend to win things like this. <laughs> I don't know how this is gonna go. But I'm here with you. Before, when we, we couldn't find a parking spot, I asked four different policemen, multiple people in the streets, does anybody know anywhere to park? And nobody had any idea. I literally, we, I just said, you know, we haven't done yet, buddy, we haven't prayed. So we just said, God, would you please just give us a parking spot? And we found the perfect spot to get in and out of with this massive van. A mile away, but we found the perfect spot. And I thanked God. Thank you, God. Thank you for these tickets. Thank you for a parking spot. And here's what dawned on me. As then we made our mile run to the stadium, and then when the game was over, we had to make our mile run back. And I watched a lot of inebriated people not living peace in their lives. I watched Wisconsin Ohio State fans almost go to blows on the street Got concerned for me and my little guy. I watched one gentleman with headphones in coming towards us and couldn't even walk straight. I don't know what he'd been doing up to that point. I watched a handful of people, maybe a quarter mile or so from the stadium. Uh, one guy had another guy pinned up against the wall with his arms up, and I heard the other guy saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't know. I don't know what happened, but we quickly crossed the other side of the street. And what I thought was, man, whether it's the death of a loved one or sin running rampant in the hearts and lives of people, peace is hard to find. It was a great chance to teach my son about idolatry, about how football has become an idol for many people, about the dangers of too much alcohol, about what happens when we don't have God at the center of our lives. And here's what I know. I've been praying all morning, God, in the midst of the stress and the exhaustion that I'm feeling, would you somehow put pieces of this message together for each person visiting today? What I want to deliver to you today is a message of peace to let you know how to find the peace that passes all understanding, the peace that can only be found in God. And we actually see that sung about in the song that we want to talk about today. Hark the herald, angels sing. This was not the original words to the song. I don't know if you know that. The song was written by Charles Wesley. It was said that basically one year after his uh, conversion or giving of his life to Jesus, basically one year later, it was, uh, he was on his way to church and the bells of the church started ringing. That was how they kind of let people know it was time to wake up and arouse and be ready for church. And he was walking a long distance to church and he heard the bells ring out and he started to write this poem in his mind, except the original line of the poem was actually, hark how the welkin rings. Yeah, that's what I thought when I heard it too. Like, oh. So then you have to go look up what welkin means. Welkin literally means the heavens. Hark how the heavens ring. And as Charles Wesley made his way to the church, he just started to write this poem, later wrote it down. They sang it, I think it was the next weekend, in their Christmas services. And it just became this, pronounce, this proclamation about the Christmas story in general. 
The, the line that most of us know, the famous line now, it was later changed by uh, George Whitfield, uh, changed the words to what you know today. Here we go, you ready? Say it with me, these first four stanzas. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. It's beautiful words, isn't it? When I was a kid and I would sing this, I would think, because depending on how you read this, hark the herald angels sing. Depending on where you put the emphasis, the emphasis on which syllable dictates how you read that first sentence. Again, this is the line that was changed. And when George Whitfield rewrote the song, he was trying to tell the story of the Christmas day. When Jesus was born and laying in a manger and these angels showed up to some shepherds and the angels don't literally say hark, but the whole idea is these angels show up and they're herald angels. Not H-A-R-O-L-D, they aren't named Harold, which again, when you're a kid and you can't read, you're like, I don't understand who the Harold angels are. They're different than the other angels. <laughs> My brain goes a million places. I'm, I'm imagining these angels with a purple crayon. Anybody got a kid? You know what I'm talking about? Anyway, all right, so. Welcome to your ADHD pastor. My name's Matt Nickerson. The Harold, a Harold, is somebody who delivers or proclaims a message. If you remember American history, a guy named Paul Revere, remember? He hops on his horse and he rides through the towns and he says, the British are coming, the British are coming. And that was a sign for everybody to wake up, get ready, something is about to happen. That's what these angels are doing. They are proclaiming an important message. They don't actually say the word hark. I don't know if I blew anybody's minds yet today. They don't actually say the word hark. The word hark in ancient English literally means Pay attention, listen, whatever you're doing, don't miss this. That actually sounds a lot like what the angels proclaimed. Let's take a look at the actual words in the story. This comes from Luke chapter two, verse eight. This is the NIV, and it says this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. So we know a few things, details about the story so far. They're shepherds, and why is that important? Shepherds had a job that made them dirty, quite literally. They worked with animals. They had to be outside the city, and because of that, they were unclean, which meant that they were unfit to come into the temple without walking through certain purification rites in order to become okay to get into the temple. The fact that God chose shepherds to share this message with is profound in a number of ways. Number one, it lets us know that the message of the coming of Jesus is available to anybody, no matter what you do. It's amazing how we often judge people as more or as less based off what we see, don't we? On our way to and from the game, on the way to the game, the streets were pretty empty because most people were there by the time we got there. And on our way back from the game, it was the exact opposite. But there was one common and consistent thing in both those situations. There were homeless people all over the place. Now, I know, I've read the studies, I've read the books. Could some of them have been faking it? Of course. 
Could some of them have been those people you read about that make a ton of money just sitting there, especially after a major game or before a major game, collecting funds? Yeah, probably. But I'm guessing some of them were phenomenal actors if that was the case. And it didn't look like it. And I thought, where's their peace? On the way back, after we walked our mile and finally found our car and hopped in and started driving, the road that we had to take to get back here to Avon, Indiana, drove us right past a place called Wheeler Mission. And I looked over and I said, you know what that buddy right there is? That's people proclaiming what the angels proclaimed the night of Jesus' birth. That it doesn't matter your social status. It doesn't matter if you can afford to go into a Big Ten championship game or if you can't and you're out here, that the message for Jesus is for everybody. And I'm so thankful that there are Christians who get that. These angels made it clear by taking the message to some shepherds out in the middle of a field. Now notice, it says, this I'm gonna blow your mind in a second here, ready? Verse nine, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. Where did the angel appear, according to most of us? In the sky. Did you know it never actually says that? I'd said this to my wife about a week ago. Um, now granted, her mind was thinking about a million different things, but I said, hey, did you know that it doesn't actually say in the text? And she's like, I don't know about that. And so I went and I read to her this text and she goes, okay, I'm gonna have to read it deeper when I'm not distracted by all these other things. Our whole life, I've always imagined the angels were in the sky. By the way, there aren't angels, there's how many? One angel. One angel shows up and starts talking. You're like, you're like, I don't know about that, Pastor. Keep reading. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Well, of course you are. If an angel showed up, the angel could very well be in the sky. There's nothing preventing that from happening. But did you know this? By and large, when we see angelic beings, spiritual beings, show up in the text, they show up on the ground. They come to Mary. They come to Joseph. They're standing there. They have a form that looks like a human. And we don't actually know very much about angels. The only other kind of angels we really see are cherubim and in what we call apocalyptic literature and texts like Ezekiel and Revelation where it's describing in very uh, metaphoric and graphic language we see these angels, beings with wings and different heads and all these things and we don't know if those are literal or not. But when we see literal angels, they look a lot like humans and they're standing there in front of people. They're not flapping their wings in the sky. It's more than possible the shepherds are there and a guy, I don't know, we're like, you know, Clap on, clap off, there's an angel, and the glory of the Lord shones around them, and he starts to talk to them, and the very first thing he says is what every angel has to say, verse 10, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Why would you not be afraid? Well, because I wasn't there a second ago, and now I am, and that's scary, but don't be afraid, because I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Yes, even you shepherds who aren't good enough to get in, even for you shepherds. You shepherds who are up here late at night while everybody else is back home, cozy in their beds, even you. Shepherds are really important in the Bible because we're told that Jesus is a king like King David. A King David, before he ever was a king, was a shepherd. Shepherds have to care for their flock. Jesus says he is a shepherd, and his sheep know his voice, and they listen to him, and they respond. 
Shepherds are critical to the biblical story because shepherds reveal to us a God who cares for his people. And this angelic story opens with this angel saying, this is exactly who God is and what he will be like in your story. Whatever you're going through, be it sorrow or grief or sin or struggle, God is not disengaged. He's not sleeping on the job. He's very much paying attention to your story. And he goes on. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be assigned to you. You're gonna find a baby wrapped in cloths. Well, that's not uncommon. Babies get wrapped in cloths. Yeah, but this baby is gonna be lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, now again, could they be up in the sky? Of course, they could be. Could they be on the ground almost like an army? You know, in their white robes like a choir or something maybe? I don't know. If the first angel caused the light of heaven to shine around everybody in such a way that was terrifying, what does a vast heavenly host do like we can't even fathom like if everybody in here was holding some sort of massive spotlight like the whole place was lighting up on the hillside this would be a life changing experience for everybody but the angels start to sing a song glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth what's the word there Shepherds were not very wealthy people. Didn't have a lot of resources. Some of the poorest paid, worst paid among anybody. But the message of peace was for them. Again, shepherds were considered unclean, not welcomed by the people, but the message of peace was for them. But notice, I find this fascinating, what the angels said. What is it that the shepherds and everybody needed more than anything else? Needed a savior, a savior. Yes, life is hard at times. Yes, things don't always go according to plan. Yes, it's a struggle to work outside with all these animals and clean up things all the time. It's a struggle. But what you need more than anything is a savior, someone to show up in the story and change the trajectory, someone to show up in the story and make you whole again. This is the hardest message for Americans to get because we have an abundance of wealth. We can spend hundreds of dollars on games and food and parking. And whether or not some people can afford it, we do afford it. And we find ways to do it. So we don't often think of ourselves as needing saved from anything. And it makes us not realize just how deep our need actually goes. How profound our brokenness actually is. And the angels showed up. They didn't just say, hey, God loves you and God cares for you. They showed up. They said, there's a savior. Somebody who's going to change the story for you. And he's born today. And you're going to know him because you're going to find him in this place. He's going to be laying in a manger. He's going to be laying in an animal trough. That's how you're going to know which baby he is. He's a game changer. Because when you realize just how broken you are and how far from God you are, you realize you can't get where you need to be on your own. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom God's favor rests. 
When the angels had left them and had gone up into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. This is crucial, by the way, because in the Old Testament, there had to be two or three witnesses to establish something as fact. So the fact that there are multiple shepherds going, if one guy says, this is what I saw, this is what I heard, this is what I experienced, it wouldn't be enough of a testimony to testify on behalf of the thing. So the fact that there are multiple shepherds, according to the Old Testament, meant that there was validity to it. You could trust it because it wasn't just one person. This is why we have four gospels, because we didn't just get two or three witnesses, we actually went further and got four witnesses Eyewitnesses telling us of the story of Jesus' life. And so when these shepherds show up to see, let's just go see what we're looking at. God is giving us a testimony, a testimony we can choose to trust or not, that he's telling the truth about this little baby. See, here's the thing that we gotta get. Peace comes to us when we are right with God. And God sent us that message through angels and then through shepherds many, many years ago. And you may say, that sounds stupid. I don't believe it. Anybody in here love like ghost hunters? Nobody wants to admit it. Anybody love those crazy kind of stories? Anybody love those crazy kind of TV shows or news articles? I was just reading one like a month ago and my kids are always curious what I'm doing on my phone. I'm like, putting it away real quick so they can't see because I want to have nightmares. Like, oh, I love reading about that stuff. But I don't trust a lot of that stuff. So what do you do when all of a sudden these shepherds show up and they say, you're never gonna believe us. And people are gonna go, yeah, you're right. But then you got all these other shepherds going, trust me, what they're saying is real. Well, what exactly did these angelic beings tell you? They said, peace on earth. A savior is born. That though I'm lost, God loved me enough to fix the problem. Now, here's the thing. Why is it in the midst of a car breaking down and my father-in-law dying and can't find a parking spot and everything's chaotic, why is it that I had peace in my heart the whole time? It's because I knew that no matter what happens next in my life, God is with me. Do you have that? Peace comes to us when we're right with God. I don't want you to raise your hand. I don't want you to acknowledge anything. And by all means, please keep your elbows to yourself. But if you have a sin in your life, if you have something that's just eating your lunch, maybe you've been lying and cheating, stealing, conniving, sneaking around, doing things you know you aren't supposed to do, do you ever find peace in that situation? Let me just tell you, I know from experience you don't. You don't. Your conscience eats at you. Your own bones ache. Every time you get away with it, there's an immediate high like, whew, I got out of that one. And then on the other side of that high, there's this guilt that sets in. Like, man, if everybody really knew, would they love me? But then the first time, You come to Jesus, your savior, and you find that he isn't ready to squash you and crush you, but instead he's ready to open his arms and receive you and love you. Then all of a sudden you start to experience a peace that passes all understanding. You start to get right with God and things in your life start to change. 
So that now, no matter what's happening outside of you, what's happening in the lives of people you love, or what's happening around you, you have peace because you're right with God. And my hope and my prayer has been that, God, you will somehow leverage the song to reveal to people in this room that if they don't have peace, that maybe the reason they don't have peace is because they don't have you. And that maybe they're missing the testimony of the shepherds who proclaimed the message of the angelic beings who shared with them that Jesus came to bring us peace. And we shouldn't be surprised by that. Because roughly 700 years before Jesus even showed up on the scene, we were told exactly what he would be like. This comes from the prophet Isaiah, chapter nine. It says this, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. In other words, he's going to rule the world. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of what? Peace. Of the greatness of his government, of his leadership, and peace, there will be no end. In other words, he's going to reign forever. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and withholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. In other words, this little baby lying in a manger is one day going to be king, but not just any king. He's going to be the king of kings. Did you know that was actually the original version of the song? Instead of, Mark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. It was originally glory to the king of kings. Again, George Whitfield changed the words to the words that we know and sing today. The original version wanted you to know that Jesus would come and he would reign and he would reign over our hearts and he would reign over the earth. And if we would only follow his ways, we would actually bring peace into the world by the way that we live. We would bring peace into the world by being completely different by treating other people different, by treating people with love and respect and doing to others what God has done to us in the name of Jesus. That's why the, I think it's the second stanza of the song, says this, hail the heaven-born prince of peace, hail the son of righteousness, light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings, mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die, born to raise the son of earth, born to give them second birth. The whole idea in these words is Jesus came and when he rose from the dead, he gave the power by being the savior of the world so that anybody who would follow after him would also be raised from death to life. They would experience his peace in their life. They would live his peace on the earth and that would change the world. My father-in-law was a great man. He spent his entire career as a pastor, as a Bible college president, as a teacher, but his real love was as a chaplain. And he worked with fire departments and police all over the area. At the funeral, and I forget the gentleman's name and title, but at the funeral, a guy from Brownsburg, Indiana, came up to me and said, are you Matt Nickerson? I said, yes. I thought, I don't know very many people down here in Louisville, Kentucky, but you know me. They said, I live in Brownsburg and I work on this fire department. I want you to know your father-in-law was a great man. I've heard lots of things about you. I go to Connection Point Christian Church, but your father-in-law was a great man. He taught all of us about how to care for people in their worst situations. My father-in-law loved when he would get phone calls at two and three and four and five in the morning 
A lot of times we'd be visiting Nana and Granddaddy's house. I'd be sleeping on the couch and I'd hear him come out dressed up in his suit and I knew that he was going to tell somebody that their loved one had been shot in the middle of the night. He didn't love delivering that message, but he was so good at it. He loved serving people. He loved bringing peace. And people, person after person, it was five hours of viewing on Thursday night as person after person after person after person just came up to his son and his wife and my wife and just told them about impacts that he had made. And we heard story after story after story from policemen and firemen and others who had been touched by him in some way. And people who would say, you have no idea how good he was. In the middle of that terrible, terrible stress, this man of peace walked into the room and he just gave us peace. So that's what Jesus is birthing through you. Jesus wants to bring a kingdom of peace in your life so that no matter what's going on in the storm around you, you are able at every moment to bring that same peace into the lives of others. Whether it's at 2 a.m. or 8 p.m. or 1 o'clock today. In fact, take a look with me. Luke chapter 2, verse 17 When the shepherds, that's the they, when the shepherds had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. The moment that the shepherds experienced the peace of a newborn baby, they couldn't keep it in anymore. And instead, they went around telling everybody what they had seen, everybody what they had experienced. Now surely those shepherds did not know the peace of God that would come through that baby. It wasn't until many, many, many years later when we celebrate Easter that Jesus would die and raise from the dead and they would know the full weight of that. You know what's fascinating is when Charles Wesley originally wrote this song, he actually put the original music to an Easter hymn on purpose. So that at Christmas, as people sang this poem, as they sang it out loud, they would in their mind go, isn't this the same tune as that song we sing every Easter? Because he knew instinctively, even though he was only a year into giving his life to Jesus, that the birth story is a death story. That the birth story was ultimately about leading us to the one who conquers our sin, who conquered death, and who gives us peace. My wife looked at me at one point this week. She said, you know, I just feel so numb. Everything is so crazy from dealing with the last few moments of his life to his passing and then all the paperwork. And if you've ever been there, everything you gotta pull together and you're just not, you're just not ready for it. He was amazingly organized. Praise God, get your stuff in order, trust me. Make it easier for your family. But it's just so stressful. She said, I just haven't had time to feel. She said, but there's one thing that just keeps ringing in my head over and over and over and over and over she said, oh, death, where is your victory? Where is your sting? And when Jesus died on the cross, that's one of the major things that was proclaimed by those who followed after him over and over and over again. That when Jesus died and then rose again, he took the sting out of death. What that means is when we sat at the funeral for my father-in-law, yeah, we cried for the fact that we'll never see granddaddy again on earth. We'll never hear him look at my kids and say, come here, son, I love you. 
won't ever go in the backyard and he'll never throw another baseball with my kids again. We'll never go to Gatlinburg again, one of the places we love to go and drive go-karts. Those days are over, but only temporarily. There will be a new day, and this one will never end. It'll last for eternity. And so we sat at a funeral for a great man, and we celebrated a great life lived. We, we decided this is, this is just good night. It's not goodbye. Because we know that one day, death sting can't hurt anymore. One day, either when we go see him or Jesus comes back, we'll all go see each other. We'll be united again. I don't know about you, that brings me great peace. Because no matter what happens the rest of this month, I'm good. I'm good. My eternity is secure. My hope is in heaven. My life is waiting for me there. So in the meantime, what I'm gonna do is bring heaven to earth. That's why peace comes to this world when we share the Christmas story. And in the midst of life strife, in the midst of the hardship, in the midst of the pain, when we open up our mouths and we let other people know about the hope that is in Jesus, it's not just about Christmas trees, oh, and I love them. It's not just about lights, and I thank God for people who decorate with lights. But my hope is in a Savior who was born. Peace comes to the world when we share the Christmas story. This is why the song closes with joyful all ye nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. Maybe they were on earth, but regardless. With the angelic host proclaim Christ is born in Bethlehem. <laughs> it's old English, right? The point is when you understand just who Jesus is, you can't help but sing about it. Hark the herald, the angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. It feels weird to sing to a baby unless you know that baby is the one who will take the sting out of death. Here's my, um, my hope and prayer for all of you. My hope and prayer is this. If you don't have peace right now, right now, that you would find it by anchoring your life in Jesus. He's the savior of the world and he came to bring peace. The way you do that is you start with faith. It starts with God and it ends with God. It starts with you standing up and saying, I need peace. I'm gonna do something bold. I'm gonna ask right now, if you need the peace of God's kingdom in your heart right now, your heart is not at peace, would you just stand so that we could pray peace into your life? That always takes somebody to go first.
I don't do this often. But when I do, I'm often told by people later, I didn't want to stand because I was embarrassed to stand. And that's okay. God knows if you need peace. What I'm gonna ask is for whatever it is you're going through, whether it's the death of a loved one grieving their loss, or whether it's something going on in your marriage or your life that is ruining you right now, we're gonna pray peace into your life and we're gonna ask you to reach out and let us serve you. Right now, I'm gonna ask that everybody surrounding those who stood, would you just reach out, stand up with them, hold a hand, put a hand on their shoulder if you don't know them, that's okay. We're just being the body of Jesus right now. We're gonna bring peace on earth. And it's not too late for you to stand. And we're gonna pray. Father in heaven, may your spirit right now Bring the peace that passes all understanding. In the same way that the heavenly host sang peace on earth, goodwill towards men in whom God's favor rests. God, your favor, your grace comes to us by faith in Jesus. Through faith in Jesus, we find that in this world we have trouble, but we can take heart because you overcame the world. We find everything we need in you God, I pray for the men and the women who stood just now for whatever is going on in their life. And I pray for those who are afraid to stand because of what people might assume about them. God, I pray that you would strip away their pride for a minute, break through the hardness in their heart that keeps them from reaching out for you. And Father, I pray that you would speak into them, move in them, stir in them, pour into them, be present in them. God, in the way you have shown up in more ways than I could calculate over the last month to bless my family and care for my family and love my family and reveal to us your peace, that you are good in the midst of life storms. Would you do that for these men and women right now? And God, I believe that you are working. It's not a matter of whether or not you are, but God, open our eyes that we might see and open our mouths that we might praise you. Glory to God in the highest like the angels. God, I pray for those right now who are unsure of who you are. God, would you please stir in them a desire to seek after your son, Jesus, and in him find life. And all God's people pray. Amen. Let's go ahead and be seated. We're gonna take communion now. This is us celebrating the peace of God that came to us through Jesus. As you get up and take this bread and this juice, I'm gonna ask that you um, stop and say thank you, God. Thank you, God, for giving us peace in the midst of life's storms. And um, if you don't know Jesus, I'm gonna ask that you find somebody wearing a Connect shirt and just go to them and say, I need to know this peace that Pastor Matt talked about. Take your time, and then we'll sing, Hark the Herald, Angels Sing. God bless you.